party tonight. What? TV party tonight. Oh, we got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Don't want to talk about anything else. We don't want to know. We're dedicated yes. to our favorite shows. Oh, my circuits. Everybody loves hip Scary dog. Dancing at Blurred Ball. Futurama. Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting premiere podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, our favorite show is The Boys, Season 3, brought to you by the good people at Amazon Prime Video. And I'm sure other production companies, but it doesn't say it on the Season 3 Wikipedia page. Joining me tonight is my brother from another mother, my favorite concert-going partner. He raged against the machine with me, and we'll talk about that more tomorrow night on the Metal Hammer of Doom Extra. Ladies and gentlemen, Cleveland rocks in Ohio. And <laughs> Cleveland, wait, take two. Cleveland rocks. And, oh, and Jesse irons your socks. Okay, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That did not sound horrible at all. No, no. We had a viewer and I lost them with that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Starcher, how do you do, sir? Good old Dick hey, Titten. Mark. No, no Dick Titten tonight, no. Um, no. Hey, no, no, I'm just plain old Jesse there on the uh, on the old moniker. So, yeah, hey, good to be back here. Going to be talking some more boys. It's, uh, oh, man, as if they couldn't top season two. Let's talk season three. It's going to be fun. All right. And, of course, down there, <laughs> it's the disembodied, yeah, baby. <laughs> Speaking of dicks, is the disembodied voice of the voiceless, the Max Headroom of the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network, the great and powerful Oz, Robert Winfrey. How do you do, sir? You know, I've never actually seen Max Headroom. I'm aware of its existence, but I have no context for what it is other than like, knowledge that it's out there somewhere. It was big when yeah. I was growing up as a kid because I'm like 100. Oh, so. man. Yeah, I got plenty of memories of old Max Headroom. Uh, matter of fact, I tie Max Headroom with Baby Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember Baby Jessica, Mark? I, Winfrey? Vaguely, yeah. I, I got to feel old this week because it occurred to me that my two youngest brothers are at least like five years removed from ever going to a restaurant and having the host or hostess ask them smoking or non-smoking. Wow. Nice. Hear that, Mark? They get All to right. go to restaurants. I never did such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> save it for tomorrow. Save it for tomorrow. Yeah, I'll save that but tomorrow. yeah, I took I took this animal out to a fancy a fancy barbecue restaurant, and Jesse's like, what do you call these things? It's a menu, Jesse. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is, oh, you got a picture of me holding it up. I'm astonished. That's amazing. <laughs> what What does this say? What This line that says tip. Tip of what? Oh, Jesse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. How come I got to sign three receipts? I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, Jesse's like, where are we going with some fancy eatery? Wendy's? I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> would have been on the menu. They just didn't have one down there in downtown Cleveland I could find. Je Baby Jessica fell in a well. Remember? She fell in a well. We had to rescue I, her. They did a whole, like, TV series. Uh, I, I remember. I, remember right. yeah, I do All remember right. that. I just want right. to make sure I'm not the only one here that feels old. No, we're, Go ahead. We're not you there. Well, uh, well, you know, look, there was a John Benet 
I made a John Benet Ramsey reference not too long ago and was greeted with just resounding silence by everyone around me, at which point I was reminded <laughs> once again. Wow. Wow. Who I spend most of my time with. Time oh, is man. unkind to us all. Um, all right. right. Speaking yeah, of unkind time, season three of The Boys, um, it's a year after the end of season two. Um, they're working for the, I think it's the Bureau of... Uh, the bureau uh no victorian newman bureau of superhero affairs yeah the bureau of superhero affairs um uh to apprehend problematic superheroes and have been at peace with the seven however the conflict was resumed once when butcher begins to investigate the truth about the apparent death of soldier boy one of vaught's first american superheroes with the hopes of killing homelander for good Meanwhile, Homelander's mental stability begins to deteriorate as Vought attempts to restrict his powers, while other seven members, such as Starlight and Queen Maeve, assist the boys in their plots against him. So, um, we talked before the show about, you know, whether or not I had much of an agenda or structure. And, you know, with you guys, we're, we're the three of us are really good at just kind of kicking the ball around and talking. Um, we're known for the three-hour podcast, us three, so us three wise men. So I wasn't tremendously worried about having talking points. I really only had one that still shorter than the long. Still long. We're still shorter than the shortest thing Refn ever put out. For the record, (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about one thing before I kind of kick over to Robert because he has like a list of things. But right off the bat, I needed to talk about the hero gasm episode. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is not because, (laughs) despite the fact that I'm, you know, a pervy old man and I have to talk about anything, you know, sex related. Jesse, I, (laughs) the Herogasm episode is they infiltrate an orgy of superheroes or in superheroes having an orgy and it ends in, you know, Soldier Boy blowing everything up. And I didn't watch it when it aired. I watched, I binged the whole thing in preparation for this uh, over the past week over uh, preparation for this review. But I remember like, oh my God, the Herogasm episode. Oh my God, the Herogasm episode. And people were like, it's the naughtiest thing ever. This thing came close to an NC-17 or that episode was NC-17 and all this other stuff. What am I What am I missing here? It. it oh. I've seen sex on television before. Right, I, I've right. watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> I've watched, yeah. I've, I've, this is, I didn't well, that's see mostly, anything. That's in the... mostly the viewer getting violated. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched the Deuce. Okay, these are all things that happened on premium cable. I I don't understand, yeah. and this is what I want you to point out to me, dear dear sweet Jesse. Why was everyone making such a big deal about the hero gasm episode? Like, what did I miss in that episode that people think is oh my god? It's the it's it's crazy. It's so something I haven't seen on TV before. It was just people having sex until Soldier Boy blew him up. Well, what I took it as, I thought there were like a lot of people anticipating the episode because mm-hmm. I, from what I saw, there was a couple uh, covers from a comic that was shared. So like this was going to be, they couldn't believe that they were going to put this on tv which okay i agree with you it wasn't as you know it, it was there was certainly tame. some over that there, yeah there was some there was some sexual stuff going on and well in yeah the, the guy with the plane, like, but the, I mean, the, like the long penis and like it like opens the door hello you know um like i get like that would be disturbing for people but that was like the most disturbing thing i saw right right and, and to me that wasn't even like that big a deal 
I mean, the only thing I could think of is because it was just like, hey, this is going to be the setting of the episode and we're going to spend mm -hmm. most of our time here, ladies and gentlemen. There right. are going to be plenty of people having sex all episode long. That's without the only the thing I can think of. Without the Go context ahead. of knowing what herogasm was like in the comic. Like, I remember the little bit of the boys that I have read by Garth Ennis. There was definitely a scene or two of, like, young superheroes in training, like, banging each other. And they made a point of saying it. They were like, this is what young superheroes do. They just bang all day long. Right. And so, again, I, I get why they would want to put that in the show when it's such a fairly big part of the comic. But I, it, it, it was kind of like a fun setting, but I didn't think it was that big a deal. What do you think, Robert? What's, what's your opinion of the Herogasm episode? It definitely got overblown if you bought into the hype that kind of just started okay. perpetuating itself. It's a fine episode. I mean, I was frankly more excited to get to watch, you know, Butcher and Homelander trade hands than anything else going on in the background. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it looks like uh, just real quick, and, and you can go keep going mm -hmm. there, Robert. But no, I, that's fine. I pulled up the Herogasm issues, and it looks like those showed up in 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, this is a an episode apparently that's been uh, almost a little bit more than 10 years in the making. <laughs> Everybody probably couldn't <laughs> believe that this was actually going to happen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my going God. To happen. Herogasm. Finally, everything I've... <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom Menace Herogasm, all the things I've ever wanted. <laughs> you know, that, that's probably not an, an, an inaccurate comparison, all things considered. <laughs> right. Um, I think the other thing that you were mentioning, and, and I don't remember people reacting to it or anticipating it, but the fact that like the first episode, what is it? The first episode begins with someone's like penis getting blown off because the oh, yeah. incredible oh, shrinking for... man. And on all of that, the termite, the termite, their version of Ant Man, <laughs> right? Oh, that's great. That you is know, great. Yeah, that was to set the season tone. <laughs> right there, set a tone like this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, going in there, and then we say blow his penis off. It was a little bit worse than that. The guy, the guy got blown in half after the termite sneezed, mm -hmm. and immediately grew to normal size. Uh, so. It was it was over the top. It, it was one of those ones where my jaw dropped and I looked over at my wife. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't you know, this is going to be another season uh, that's just off the chain for I the boys. Can't your wife didn't immediately check out. <laughs> no, she, she's been on board for the boys for oh, nice. ever since. Well, everyone's first frozen. Season. That's just great. Everyone's frozen. I'm I'm fine. I but what about my that, wife? That was about I said, I'm fine. Everybody's frozen. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, let's start again. Hey, Jesse, what do you think of the Mark boys? This um, all right, so <laughs> hey, it's the voice of the voiceless. Um, all right, I think you started to before the whole podcast went to plaid, you started to talk about like it's a, it's a little worse than this penis getting blown up, he gets like blown in half. Go, right, right, yeah. And Winfrey said that my wife, he's surprised that my wife didn't check out, uh, which. <laughs> She did not. She's been on board for the boys since season one. And oh, there's no talking penis in it. So, you know, well, well actually, yet. you know, yet. yeah, yeah, uh, right, <laughs> right. I, she was, she stuck through Pam and Tommy, but, yeah. and, and then that, that got a little bit more interesting. <laughs> please, she, please, baby, don't go. <laughs> it's just a talking penis. <laughs> please get out. I've got to do this for the network. All right. She stuck <laughs> yes. around. But yeah, yeah. I mean, 
like I said, set the tone. It was it was over the top. It was gory. It was bloody, and it was hilarious at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. So what a way to start the season off. It was great. Yeah, I as far as like setting a tone, yeah, that's the other thing I, I just want to address real quick, and then I'll kick it over to you and Frida to get the rest of the discussion going. I'm I'm out of talking points now. Um, is how five minutes. <laughs> When you 12. think about like DC and Marvel, you know, we, we've commented, especially Robert and I have commented about Marvel and like the sexless universe. It was a com- it was a it was a comment made about Star Wars, but it applied to Marvel too, where you know everyone's just a fussing and a fighting, but no, you know, but there is no other than the Relation. most romanticist of love ever between Peggy Carter and, and Steve Rogers, you know, and the occasional like quippy love with you know Iron Man and, and um what's her nuts. But uh, Pepper. there's not Pepper. Yeah, there's not a lot of like sex in the Marvel Universe. And it was even less so in the dreary, depressive, fucking <laughs> angry Zack Snyder DC Universe. There's none of that. Um, know, in fairness to the in fairness to the Snyder versus very, very briefly. Mm-hmm. This is to the credit of the actors I'm going to cite more than the material they're given to work with. But I absolutely believe that Henry Cavill and Amy Adams as uh, Superman and Lois, like, I believe those two. Like, sure. <laughs> those two, I believe, get it on. Like, but anyone else, no. Like, it, it's very... Yeah, we mentioned this before. Like, there's no... When I say erotic love, I don't mean in the salacious sense. But there's yeah. no eros in the MCU. Right. And it's a real thing that's missing. Yeah. And that's... So, if you were to think about, like, well, what if half the people on the earth had superpowers, what would they do with it? They would absolutely use it to like bang harder. <laughs> yeah. they, would, they would absolutely be, you know, pervy sex stuff going on. People would absolutely abuse their power and be terrible about it, you know? Oh, and yeah. so the, the fun thing about the boys is it kind of, it kind of looks at the, the superhero genre and says, yeah, but what if it was real life and there were no restrictions on what we could show you? And right. you know, let, let's let's well, think about the worst the worst psychological elements of the human condition, and then give it superpowers and see what well, it does. It, it helps tremendously that because uh, I, I believe both Mark, uh, uh, Gareth Ennis, and who's the other guy that works on the comic? Uh, was it Grant oh, Morrison? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But go ahead, keep keep talking. I'll figure it out. Okay, but. Uh, the two gentlemen who are primarily responsible for the comic, the boys mm. have publicly said they hate superheroes <laughs> and it shows like they, they hate the way they're, they hate the way the mythology is told around them and mm-hmm. whatnot. And they, and I'm not here to weigh in on the merits of their position. I think there is value in Paragon story. I think there is value in that kind of mythology storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think there is just as much value in, quality insightful deconstructionism sure and that's what we get here and coming the the point there is they come by it genuinely like these are people who genuinely dislike an element of the medium or this element of storytelling so when they sit down to critique it it's coming from a place of again authenticity to the authors and that carries a lot of weight it's not the same as when you get and you get this all the time in hollywood you get someone who is hired, hey, write X. Uh, but I hate X, but write X. Fine, I'll write X because I have bills to pay and this is the world we live in. And what you get is something that then when everyone watches it, boy, this 
this is a bad example of X and the authors here going, I hate X to begin with. <laughs> I didn't want to but do this. I don't want to write your stupid musical. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to even uh, do Batgirl the movie. Oh boy. <laughs> we're, not getting, we're not getting into that. <laughs> Garth Ennis, uh, yeah, you, you're right there because I, I, I recognize obviously him being the creator. Yeah, I knew Derek Robertson, Derek Robertson okay. is the other name that's tied to creating the okay. boys. I don't uh, know why I thought Garth, Grant Morrison for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't see his name pop up anywhere on the wiki. Okay, yeah, uh, somebody else got that. Let us know, that's just yeah. that's just me transposing names. Then so no problem. So I just want to so just to conclude this point, I think what the boys does well is that thoughtful deconstructionism but i think it, i think it's also I, I think it's also an editorial on the human condition in the sense of yeah we are we would do so much worse to each other if we oh, yeah. had the ability oh yeah and and this is this is also a critique of modern media and media manipulation that sort of thing yeah. so this movie, I, this I, season in particular does a really good job mm -hmm. of exposing is the wrong word we all know this is the truth mm -hmm. but re-examining sort of the utter ludicrousness that is the media machine in contemporary mm -hmm. society right i mean you have homelander in this do their in-world equivalent of tucker carlson is right. kind of what gets him out of his slump uh, well, early on one of the and things then, i noticed on like hang on one of the things i noticed on, like tiktok and in Twitter and some other places was this, this was clearly a progressive show. This is clearly in many cases, an attack on modern conservatism, not conservative philosophy. I want to be specific about that. Modern political conservatism, um, the, the MAGA people, the Trump people, that sort of thing. This was obviously a, an almost an angry response to things like January 6th and the whole Trump, the whole Trump thing. And I'm not here to discuss the merits of it in particular, but clearly these people working on this show used this show to go after that. And well, I, while that's well, the, never mind. Finish well, hang finish. on. The reason why I brought that up, I, and I want to hear what you have to say, but I, the reason why I brought that up was there was a lot of like almost con, you know condescending reaction from progressives that like, oh conservative fans didn't know this was an attack on conservatives until just <laughs> yeah, now you dummies <laughs> yeah there was this there was at least one viral tweet the context of which was basically boy those dumbasses on the right they celebrate stuff like the punisher and the boys and v for vendetta and right. don't realize it's mocking them at which point right. like you person on the internet have has also completely lost the plot yeah <laughs> so you know the and I, I don't have, I mean, even if it's something that I, I happen to believe, I don't care if there's a criticism of it. I will watch and judge the criticism accordingly, you know, if it's done appropriately enough. Um, but I did I did find that element of the show interesting, that it had this very distinct editorial point of view. And there were legitimately people that were like, my favorite thing, you've betrayed me. <laughs> like, did it? But did it? Or are you just dumb? And didn't yeah, know what you were there, there are, well, Okay. There are those idiots out there, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's fine. <laughs> what I appreciate about The Boys is that it's, while it certainly has an editorial point of view, it's also smart enough and incisive enough to not become 
almost I mean for a for a show that's essentially a parody in many respects, it does not become a self parody. Mm-hmm. It yeah. does not paint the other side of the aisle as virtuous. My favorite one of my favorite things in this episode is at the very end, the very, very end, you have a progressive screaming at Homelander, and Homelander just lays just loses he, he, they attack the they attack the kid at the end is what happens. They go after the kid. Oh, and home yeah, and like, well, hang, hang on. This is This is one of the things when I say the writing is very smart about this. Mm-hmm. That idiot who walks in uh, look, I'm not here to <laughs> I, I can't solve the polarization problem in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I can say is that whatever your political bent, if you go to a rally of the opposite side wearing said wearing the wearing the wrong colors if we can use that analogy mm-hmm. that's gonna go badly so this idiot shows up in the yellow that is the with the like the belief starlight t-shirt right that's one of the things they propose in this that's one of the slogan bits of sloganeering and he chucks something at the little kid ryan who's just floated out of the sky homelanders come down and said let me introduce you to my son right and I want to talk about Ryan's arc in a, in a minute or two, but he's introducing his son to, you know, the populace. Like, hey, I've got a kid. And this idiot chucks something and it hits the kid in the head. Right. Now, if you were writing this dumber, what <laughs> the guy throws hits Homelander and Homelander just finally snaps. Right. And right. Homelander at that point, look, Homelander's a villain. Let me be very clear about this. But he's also a nuanced character in many respects. So the fact that he is reacting to his son being assaulted, never mind how ineffectual said assault is, and it is utterly ineffectual. But he's reacting to his son being attacked, not himself being attacked. Right, right. And right. yeah, he overreacts and he murders this guy. But it, it's just sort oh, well. of uh, endemic of the of the quality of writing that this could have been painted in a much different light and the writers are well, smart enough to continue at least a degree of nuance. Well, it's, what I want, I want, go ahead, hang on, Jesse, and, and I'm yeah. going to go right to you, but I wanted to say this and Robert had to kind of go a windy route to get us to the exact same place I wanted to address. He lasers the guy in the face, kills him, just murders him in front of all these people, but because he's on the wrong side, they all cheered it. And is that, yeah. is there, is there not a finer point about where we are in political discourse Oh yeah, I disagree with your. I disagree with your point. Great, I hope you die. I hope you. I hope your whole family. I mean, when did societal interaction and national conversation become a Reddit board? Mm-hmm. Like, because the and I don't want to go on Reddit all that much. It's not really my scene, but my understanding no, no, of Reddit. Is, my side, my side <laughs> is you're not wrong. <laughs> my my understanding of Reddit is essentially if you disagree with someone's position, they wish you and your whole family dead after being sexually assaulted. Is about everyone's kind of response to things. It's like depends, this didn't happen overnight, but that's Reddit where we specifically. Well, sure. You know, I, if it's like paper, you know, it's a like paper mache and crocheting. I doubt they gets that. You know, whatever. But. All right, Jesse, go oh, ahead. No, no, th- those say? people are the <laughs> crazy ones. They're, those are the yeah, crazy I was ones. Say, you haven't been on any of those boards lately, have you? <laughs> nah. Disc- I was discussions just about which to... kind of stitching and which hook threads to use. That gets nasty in a hurry. Yeah, man. I have death threads. Um, <laughs> I wanted to definitely support what Winfrey was talking about with the writing there because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, if I'm out and about and somebody 
throw something at my kid, if I had laser beam eyes, I am right. going to probably react in said way. That's that's just probably have, a given. Have you ever been in traffic and you're, you got <clears throat> you got to get somewhere and it's not moving and people are making bad driving decisions and you oh. just wish you had telekinesis and you're just like Woof. like you oh, like oh. I, I can't tell you how many times I've thought I just want to change gravity and throw every car in the air. I've wanted murdering. to flatten flatten so many tires in my entire <laughs> it's so many. Imagine like, you, you imagine you, that for a day you had Homelander's towers. How many people right. you kill? Right, exactly. And he's not stable, but right. he does he does something that number one was an automatic defense for his kid. Right. Uh, but he also murdered a man in front of uh, hundreds of people, which is I think is kind of like I don't know if it's his nightmare or his dream. Obviously, what the reaction Bullsh he was expecting, right, dude. Because the reaction he was expecting was like he was expecting, oh, now, now everybody sees me. They see me right. for what I am, which is his absolute worst fear. And right. then all of a sudden, because he wants to be accepted so bad. And then when everybody starts to realize, or when he starts to realize that everybody accepts him for what he just did, murdering somebody. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you are frightened for whatever world that is that we're watching because right. now you have a Homelander who is accepted as being a murderous psychopath. Well, that's the thing, like, uh, in, both in character and in terms of editorializing, that tacit recognition that so long as at least half the world thinks you're right, you can get away with murder, legitimately right. get away with murder, right? Like, and what does that say All about you need us is as one a society? Out of 12 half the time. What does that say about us <clears throat> as a society where love your fellow man has turned into kill the guy with a different point of view than you? Mm -hmm. And that's what the show in many ways talks about, in, at least in reference to Homelander. But Robert, you had uh, a litany of things you wanted to discuss. So I'm going to turn the leading of the discussion over to you. Yeah, I had a few. Um, just sticking with Homelander for a second. This guy is... Homelander is the best television villain of the last, like, eight years, give or take. Uh, mm -hmm. You compared him to sent... Hannibal in the show Hannibal, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Easily the best since then. Uh, this is a very well-written character, and it's incredibly mm -hmm. well-acted. You know, we talked about season two of The Boys was basically the Homelander show. Season mm -hmm. three isn't doesn't lean on him quite that hard, but... Yeah, Anthony Starr does such a remarkable job in this role. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to get the appropriate credit until after the show is done because mm -hmm. so much of what he does borders on... Uh, elements of the role are not designed to appeal to what we've been trained to think of as good acting. Right. But it is it is a genuinely remarkable performance. Uh, so I, I absolutely needed to give him the credit once again that he has earned for that. He is, he does a remarkable job. Uh, the scene where he talks to himself in the mirror, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, you get the versions of him attacking each other, basically uh, really, really well done. The fact that this character is, this character is grounded in reality for all of the super stuff. It, all of the issues that he has are human issues. You know, his yeah. lack of, uh, you know, parental love. You know what happened? I feel like he was that guy from the Simpsons bit where Doctor Marvin Monroe wanted money to make a box that would just periodically torture the person, the small child within it, and then he would release it after like 17 years and see how the kid responded to the person who had been torturing him. 
<laughs> like that's a bit of what his upbringing was mm -hmm. and anyone would be would have his problems he just it's worse because of what he can do physically so, uh, he needs a lot of credit for that and we get the nice little it's not really a curveball it's it's kind of predictable in some respects but the bits where he and soldier boy interact after it's revealed that soldier boy is his father i mean as soon as you realize you know the relationship there you know soldier boy is going to hate that guy <laughs> like once once you've spent any time with soldier boy and god bless jensen ackles he does not get right. enough screen time in this. Can I? But everything I, that that character is, everything that Soldier so, Boy is as a character, you know he's going to hate Homelander because Homelander mm -hmm. is everything that he views as pathetic and detestable. Well, it's so funny because my wife and I recently had a conversation about like toxic masculinity, and I, this isn't necessarily the time or the place to get that in depth with it, but we can touch on it just a bit because. I think there's a nuanced discussion to be had over what is actual toxic masculinity? What's just masculinity that maybe people would prefer wasn't exhibited because it makes them uncomfortable, but there's legitimately nothing wrong with it. And then there's just good old fashioned masculinity that doesn't really offend anybody. And I'm not really sure what goes into what column anymore um, because I, uh, I also think it's person dependent. I think if you're somebody who just naturally hates men, all male behavior is toxic. You have to have a broken back and a vagina as a man in order to not offend people. Um, so what I love about him and what I love about sort of the inherent discussion in his character throughout this show is he has what I think most people would consider traditional toxic male qualities. But I think that there's a lot of men looking at him and going, finally, a character on TV that represents me. And like their wife looking at them like, yes, the worst parts of you. And them going, shut up and make me a sandwich. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, I do like that, that there's this, for, for such a progressive, you know, liberal leaning show, there is a tacit recognition of, can we sit down and have a discussion over how we'd like men to act when we haven't really come to grips with that? It's something that over the course of the last year or so of podcasts between you guys and some others that i've had on here we've really in many different shows talked about but what is modern masculinity now what what is to be expected of us what what is it that you know women are looking for what you know what is best for society what are some of the things that we need to retire about traditional masculinity that are in fact toxic and no good for anybody and the fact that we can't even come to an agreement about it and that well, is, to me, the magic. That is the magic to, to me of of Soldier Boy's character. Yeah, is that there's almost an inherent recognition in yeah. Some of this stuff is great. Some of this stuff is bad. But I don't think anyone agrees on which is which. Yeah, yeah there's stuff with Soldier Boy that I mean, he's very much a walking metaphor for PTSD. That too. You know, that, well, I, well, hang on. I, I bring this up because. Uh, because he deliberately and expressly refuses to acknowledge it. It's like, common. It is, but like, his, I mean, his entire power upset is triggered by things that relate to his trauma, and then he he's explodes and destroys yeah, everything around him. He's having a flashback, and he legitimately explodes. Yes. Like, you, know, you talk, you talk about somebody like having a flashback to a, a trauma incident, and they become like violent and punch the wall. 
right. his violin punched the wall, <clears throat> walls to like explode nuclearly. You yeah, know, this is yeah, taken like, to the end level. And burn out the compound V from any superhumans that happen to be in his vicinity. Like, but what a metaphor, though, right? What a metaphor for oh, yeah. like, for like angry men, you know? Well, just like, well, not go just ahead, not just angry and damaged men, but the way in which it is processed. Mm-hmm. Because when asked about it and when confronted with it, I'm not shell shocked, which I thought was yeah, great. Butcher says to him, "You know, you got PTSD." made and he goes i don't have shell shock i'm not a pussy right like oh my god it was nobody so <laughs> that was that's such a great line and i'll tell you it why is. i'll tell you why like it is 2022 mental health and men- mental health awareness and resources are everywhere and we are in, and we are trying terribly to have a conversation about it in this country as it relates to guns and so many other things but it's like it's it's so awkward and it's just trips and falls and People don't quite know how to get their mind wrapped around it. And there's and there's still to this day, despite all of that, this idea that to acknowledge your mental illness is weakness. Mental illness right. is weakness. That is the that is a core belief people have. Boys don't cry. And if I admit that I've got some shit wrong with me, I'm a pussy. And is yeah. that not a quality of toxic masculinity? Would that wouldn't we be all better if we acknowledged like our, our mental health, you know, and, and the need for help as a source of strength and not a source of weakness. And I right. guarantee you there's somebody listening to this podcast going, no pussy. <laughs> Shut up. I absolutely well, not. Could we not talk about our mental health problems? I don't need help. Yeah. And in go back to same, whiskey like normal men. In that same vein, just to get away from, you know, a fictionalized world and talk about the real world sure. very briefly. But why would we do that? Cu- Hang on. A couple of weeks ago, there was a UFC event I was covering, and one of the guys that the UFC is pushing right now is a fellow by the name of Patty Pimblett, and I find him to be insufferable. (laughs) However, hang on. (laughs) However, one of the things he made a point of doing in his post-fight interview was saying, you know, my best friend killed himself two days ago. And men out there, if you have... If you feel like there's too much weight on your shoulders, for God's sake, talk to someone. I can't tell you how much I would rather have him crying on my shoulder than be going to his funeral. It's good. And again, like I find this guy to be an insufferable wanker half the time, but he's dead on (laughs) about this. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and yeah, and Soldier Boy talks to that. He talks to as a character. He talks to a lot of things, but one of the things he speaks to, like you mentioned. This notion that uh, it's not there's another scene that relates to this because Huey's arc for this season touches on this in some very very similar ways. Oh, very much. Huey and like Gun- not wanting to be saved and, by the girl every single time. Right. He wants to save her. Yeah. But he wants to save her because and, it's not masculine to have girls do stuff for you, which is really right. funny because every girl I know wants to like help, wants to fix, you know, wants to save. And if you're a man, and if you're any kind of a man's man, and I'm going to put that in quotes, you don't want no girl saving you. I'll fix this my fucking self. I'll walk alone. That's what all the songs are about. You know, I am a well, rock. I am an island. Go ahead. It, it, in the case of Huey, there's another layer to mm-hmm. it, I think, that needs okay. to be addressed. He doesn't. Obje- I don't think he objects to being saved in the traditional sense. He feels utterly helpless to pr- like. There is a masculine urge to protect. Oh, so he, I, well, I think he, we I all think have. The saving emasculates him. Is what he's well, getting at. 
I think partially, but again, like if he was just being saved all the time, I think it might annoy him, but I think he could deal with it. It's the fact that his girlfriend, the woman he loves, mm-hmm. is in perpetual danger from a man <laughs> that he knows is the most vicious, unstable, murderous psychopath on God's green earth. Yeah, he has no he has no chance of saving her from Homeland. Right? And right, he can't right. he he is utterly helpless. And I think it more so than I'm a man, therefore I must do X. I don't think that's his problem so much as why can't I do any like he is helpless. And right. that helplessness in the face of an urge to protect that again, that's a very masculine urge. I was gonna the say, urge... can we can we not address the fact that I think a man's worst fear is to feel is to feel helpless? Yeah. We are we are trained from birth to be doers. You know, yeah. men, men are, men take action. Men do men provide. And when you are cut off at the wrists, your hands are gone and you can't do what kind of a man then are you? I believe is the right. question we would ask ourselves. It, it, and it's a real, and look, that's a very real question that needs to be asked. And Huey struggles to find the worth that he should find in his partner. Mm-hmm. And, and look, that's a real struggle people have. In his case, it's yeah. manifested more, and I'm taking this drug that will kill me to gain temporary <laughs> right. teleportation powers where I show up everywhere but, naked. But, do, but does that not speak to the man's struggle of, like, I'm so afraid of being emasculated that I'll kill myself to prove how yeah. much of a man I am? Go ahead, Jesse, yep. speak on it. I know you do. <clears throat> well, I was just going to say that, you know, this feed, imagine if you were given a drug and it's like, hey, the thing is, is that a lot of society is leaned on pharmaceuticals and some form or another in order mm-hmm. to get shit done. And a guy Not has kidding. done pl- plenty. Uh, a man has done plenty of that. Uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. It's going to get you out there. You're going <laughs> to, you're, you're going to be able to put on that show that you need in order to make that money. Uh, or you're able to go to work the next day. Right. And, and you, well, what you know, was, you're what was that? wasn't it John Belushi's, uh, who said, you know, I, I need X amount of cocaine to be John Belushi. Just to right. be that person. Right. Look at Robin Williams. Like Robin Williams did like a metric ton of cocaine and out came some classic comedy because of it. Right. Right. And, and Chevy so, Chase stopped being funny when he got sober. <laughs> <laughs> so these, you know, again, yeah, Mark, you're, 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 you're talking the truth there. That does speak to it's one of those elements in this show there's so many elements this show touches on commercialism the state of masculinity state of masculinity um all you know just that's what makes this show that interesting and Mm -hmm. great of a watch it's entertaining plus you get all this stuff that's going on in the background um that is the mark of a truly well-written show that you can talk about we're we're almost 40 minutes into this and minus my discussion of you know dicks blowing up um and you know in a little bit of our introduction we've spent the better part of of a half an hour talking about current kitchen table subjects that this show addresses well, while also let me while also giving you like a goofy superhero show that's wildly entertaining right uh, let me let me tell you the conclusion the show draws very briefly and what it says about and uh, to everyone out there, I'm gonna I'm going to give you an a, an invective after this, so stick with me. You know, you know, you're not Huey's... without my consent. You won't. You don't even know what that means. I signed the papers <laughs> before this podcast. You're gonna invective me all night long. <laughs> we 
Currently Googling Should Invective. We... I'll be back. <laughs> you Google your Invective on this show, we're going to get demonetized. Dude, we're talking the boys. This had no chance of being monetized. <laughs> there's, there's a bit near the end when Huey is talking with Starlight and they're just driving. Mm-hmm. And he recalls, and this is set up earlier in the uh, earlier in the season. I think it's actually a different episode. It might, or it's either the beginning of this one or in the previous one. And he just talks about something his father did for him. And he, he's like, talk, talk, pizza rolls. Been thinking about uh, pizza rolls because that's what his father was like when his mother left. You know, his father was going through the worst time of his life. But he was still there for his son. And even if all he could do was make pizza rolls to make sure the kid didn't go hungry that evening. And Huey, who's been searching for some kind of, you know, external strength, you know, I want to be the equal of my superpowered partner. I need to be able to protect her. I All of these things. And his epiphany about what it means to be strong is genuinely touching. And so to everyone out there, if your father or husband is making, if you don't have to deal with late bills, if you get fed on a regular basis, take a minute and thank whoever's responsible for that. I'm assuming the father in this case, as I'm for for the sake of the discussion here, but whoever that happens to be in your life, you know, take a moment and thank them for what they do because they give a little bit of their soul for that paycheck every week. And it is nourishing to have that acknowledged can i um just real quick i don't i don't know why i feel the need to kind of tell this anecdote but you you said something and it triggered it and i'm just gonna throw it out there been thinking a lot about some people that i know and um i've been thinking about you know work and yeah we all work men and women work this I, i acknowledge that but relating back to masculinity and what 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 is defined by a man what defines a man and i was thinking about how there there are people that i know that struggle to just get up and get to work and they find reasons to not go to work and and their family suffers because of it um if for no other reason sometimes you just got to get up and go to work to give everybody else in your house a fucking breather from you you know (laughs) who hasn't jesse who hasn't heard that one like please for the love of god go to work go to work I'll miss, I'll miss you if you leave. Come back in eight hours. I will miss oh, yeah. you. Get the fuck out of my house. Um, <clears throat> but some of us struggle with that. You know, the the daunting task of working a job that does not fulfill you, but it puts food on your table and the lights on and a roof over your head, and so you do it because that's what men do. And... I've been struggling, not my, I, I got up every single day and went to work when I was sick. Like, I get it. I own that, you know, but I recognize that not everybody does. And not everybody knows that, that, that not everyone would even know that that is what defines a man that no matter how hurt, no matter how sick, no matter how depressed, no matter how hard life is, no matter how far uphill it is, no matter how many feet of snow you have to walk through to get there, get up and go, you're a man, get up and go to work, provide for your family. Take care of take care of what needs to be taken care of because no one else is going to do it. And in the absence of men, women do that. I want to make sure I acknowledge this. 
that not every man is even a good enough man to stand by his family. They're off in the wind somewhere. Right. Um, and so women have to do that. They have to, they, they have to do those things. They have to be the ones that no matter how hard life is, they got to get up and go to work and do all those things. And I'm sad and disappointed, I guess, to know that I, I know people who are struggling with this and I just want to shake them and go, it doesn't matter what you think or how you feel or, What's going on with you? Get the fuck up anyway and go to work because that's what men do. And if you're a man, you'll do the things you need to do to take care of your family and shut the fuck up about it. So, off my soapbox now. But that's what the boys brought. But that's to having this discussion about the boys. That's that it just brings that out of me. And I, I needed to take a minute and to say it out loud. So sure. no, that, that's very that's very true. You know, uh, and, and again, so Hugh finding the the inspiration for what true strength is in the form of, you know, what his father did and finally realizing that there's a lot of people, and this includes me in some respects. I don't think we fully, as a kid, you don't, you don't usually appreciate what your father is doing most of the time. I don't think you notice. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you, you don't. are so self-centered, you know, you have no clue. Really like, are. You just know, like your parents are mean, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. they won't give but, you all yeah. the candy to eat for dinner. By the time you get to be like, again, 20s or so, like that's when you start to realize, you know, everything that was going on uh, as you get a bit of hindsight and a bit more experience in the world. And Huey just having that realization about his father that, you know, he's not because Huey's dad is not like some paragon of anything, really. Mm -hmm. like, he's not that, a bad that whole, guy. That whole but, scene, that whole discussion is about how the, the loss of their mom affected him. Yeah. And in and, and not having the emotional maturity to handle it in any kind of real way, but knowing that it doesn't really matter how well or how good or how badly you're handling the loss of your spouses, you still have a job to do. And that job is to take care of your child and keep the house yeah. going. And and the fact that he did do that successfully and Huey having that moment of realization and credit to the actor for portraying that mm -hmm. very, very well. That's a that's a weird bit of emotion to portray effectively. And I think he absolutely hit it out of the park. In addition to being dumped with, dunked on with more blood and guts and gore than even poor <laughs> Bruce Campbell on the set of Ash versus the evil dead. Yeah. Jack Quaid, by the way, is the actor's name. And I actually yeah. think it's so easy to portray Huey as sort of a milksop, but I think what the, I think the writing in the boys, what they do very well is that, you know, he's, he's not the most masculine of men, but his arc is always, perseverance right despite yeah despite an endless barrage of any of things that will kill him or at the very least make him uncomfortable all of that he perseveres through it and that's why we like huey so much but also because deep down inside of that character as portrayed by jack quaid is somebody who is made of sterner stuff it just takes some to get it out of him which i which i like There's... i like i like the fact that that's how he's portrayed there's Another kind of sub theme that go, that runs throughout this particular season very very strongly, and that is the relationship, the damage. I'm going to phrase this the worst way I possibly can. Oh, perfect. The damage parents do to their children. <laughs> mm. Oh boy. And you get, oh. and you see this in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. Um, and we mentioned Huey and his father, and it, that's a bit of a that's more in the background to Huey's kind of search for you know what does it mean to be strong in this world, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I mean, that's more his arc, but if you look at uh, 
Butcher, I think, is kind of the one who's front and center in this discussion in a lot of respects. Oh, yeah. Because he is a little bit of a father figure to Ryan at the beginning of the season. And then partway through it, he knows that, like, he knows what he's about to do is going to get ugly and bloody and brutal. And I think he suspects when he starts taking the temporary compound V that this might be a one-way trip. It's confirmed later. But so he doesn't want this small, innocent child to follow in his footsteps, because mm-hmm. while he tries to be, you know, something of a good role model for this kid, he is very aware of how much of a screw up he is. Like Butcher knows himself very, very well. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want this kid to follow that path. Unfortunately, Ryan then winds up kind of he is very hurt by this because Butcher being Butcher acts badly to try and get to his end goal. Yeah, Ryan, right. this pushes Ryan towards his father. And we talked about this at length in season two. Homelander, for as screwed up as he is and as terrible as this is going to turn out, was making a genuine good faith effort to be a father figure to his son. Screwing yeah. it up left, right and center. But he doesn't want <laughs> His desire to be around his child is not the traditional narcissistic, you reflect well on me, ergo, I want you to be around. It's a bit, it's much more genuine than that. It's him trying to find something he's never had. And again, screwing it up royally. (laughs) But it's genuine. And that counts for a lot when it comes to how the, to the nuance of the character. So what happens with Ryan, we don't know yet. That could go very, very badly. You see it with um, Victoria and she, her injecting her daughter with compound V because she believed that, you know, if you're not super, you're not anything is kind of the tacit worldview of her character. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, but it's a, it's a very real worldview of, you know, it's like, you know, if you don't just, play football, you're not a boy. If you don't do this, you're not yeah. a girl, like very clear, def- clearly defined gender uh types gender uh roles and if you fall outside of those things your parents in a loving attempt to correct your terrible choices because they want you to be normal and successful will do untold amount of damage i Uh, say that but the but the pendulum also swings to the other direction where it's just like i'm gonna do xyz and it's like no 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 we don't i don't want to offend everyone that listens to this so i'm just going to say there are certain things that i'm hearing about now with students and certain uh identities that they are taking on (laughs) you are are not a dog you do not get to eat out of a dog bowl when you go to school (laughs) it's one of them um that's a thing teachers are being instructed about this and it pisses a lot of people myself included right the hell off yeah in in a in a overcorrection to try to help you know children as they sort out different hats to wear and personality types and whatnot there's a lot of i'll, I'll just go and say it I, I wasn't going to but I'll, I'll say it now there's a say lot it. of like well there's a there's a lot of kids like gravitating towards any version of the lgbtqi uh, uh type whether they are or they aren't is sort of immaterial everyone's just like it's now cool to be any one of those things and so everyone's transgendered everyone everyone's gay everyone's bi everyone's this everyone's that and 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 then there's the school that's like yes you are you're every one of those things twice because to not to not we are not not allowed to take a position on this we are here to reaffirm 
Right. And so if you want to, so as a boy, you want to show up to school in a dress because today you decided that you were transgender. It's like, that's right. And you are. It's like, gosh, there's a, there's a in between. <laughs> like we don't have to go all yeah. the way to kill all the fags all the way to everyone's transgendered. There's every, a place in the middle. I swear. Every people, kid, the, the, every kid, is, <laughs> hang on. Every kid becomes that kid from that, that kid from the one segment during uh, big Adam Sandler's big daddy, where he lets the kid do whatever he wants. Yeah. yeah. I swear to God, folks, there's more numbers out there than just one in ten. There's fives, there's sixes. Like there's stuff in the middle. Why? Why do we yeah. have to have only ones and it tens is, in this world? It is tough as a parent to mm-hmm. you know figure out where to draw the line. I'm you know, I'm pretty laid back, dude. So mm-hmm. you know, you, you talk to my 17-year-old daughter and she'll tell you that, that it's very rare that I'm getting involved and mm-hmm. in saying anything in regards to okay, this is how you're going to live your life. Right. I will tell you though. She is 17 and things are starting to uh, let's just say things are starting to come up at the dinner table that we are like, okay, well let's think about the decision you're about to make and how that impacts <laughs> right. things yeah. that are happening in your life. Con- right. Now. Consequential thinking is real. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Something to be considered. Right. right. You know, no one's saying, saying no. anything's wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying, uh, Hey, let's talk about it and let's have a discourse. Taking away your right to be transgendered. If that's how you, if that's who you really are. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, what makes you happy in life. Just, I'm just saying every, every decision, every action gets a reaction. You know, but anyway, uh, Jesse, you make a, you make a choice. You choose the, co- you make a choice. You choose the consequences. Those two things are linked. Yes. Immutable. Um, so. Jesse, you know, Rob, I've let Robert sort of lead the lion share of the discussion here. We've, we've all been interacting, but I didn't want to um, utterly dismiss when anything you wanted to bring to the table. So please put your your measly morsels of, of yeah, conversation. <laughs> please, please put your bean on the table. Uh, <laughs> so we may well, carve you know, it up. I, I, with, with the season, we've been talking about the heavy hitters here. You know, mm. Homelander, we've talked about Huey, we've talked about Butcher. Uh, we've also got our uh, love story between Frenchie and Kamiko. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's some great moments throughout this. I'm trying to think of like some of the good ones that happen for each character. I, I, I don't want to waste time bringing every single one of them up, but I remember Kamiko's penchant for Kamiko's penchant for hallucinating musical numbers. Oh, that, that was fantastic. That was yeah, it was great. She goes off singing and she's having a great time. And you're like, wait a second. Is this actually happening? Of course not. In, inherent um, in Kamiko's story is this idea of, you know, she her she she finds her powers to be a curse until she gets her ass kicked and suddenly she wants them again. Right. And I and I just find that that's a very human thing, you know, to where it's like, I don't. I don't want this thing until you don't have it anymore. And suddenly you want it back no matter. And you're just almost, it's almost to the point where you're like blind or you're forgetting how much damage it caused in the first place. But there's a great, I just finished watching season one of the wire, which we're going to talk about, in, I think a week or two. And, um, and Kima talks to McNulty about as a female cop, you know, they're not getting out of their squad car because they can't take an ass kicking. And she was like, after you've had one or two, they're not so bad. You know, <laughs> But you can get used to. Yeah. But to the point of like Kamiko, it's like, I don't want to live like a feral animal. I don't want to have these powers. I don't want to be a murderer. Oh, I got my ass kicked. Give me all the Homelander powers back. To, yeah. You know, such to as that, people's fear about that sort of thing. Very briefly to Kamiko, like in a, in a series, in a net season, not just all series, but in a season where 
a man with whose um, superpower is an extendable, prehensile, controllable penis, a guy gets exploded from the inside out, Ant-Man going through the urethra instead of the anus. <laughs> so bad. A guy is cut in half by Butcher trying to control his heat vision. Um, v- Victoria explodes somewhat, some poor guy a piece at a time because she can't see his head. <laughs> Kamiko gets kill of the season for beating a bunch of gangsters to death with dildos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, she does. Man, Listen, she messed them up. You've never too. been beat with a dildo, man. Those things are... Look, if you've ever been hit with a dildo, those things are fucking hard, man. Just saying. Like, they can do some damage. I'm um, not I going think... to inquire any further about that one. That sounds great, Mark. What? Have you ever you've not handled a dildo? Jesse Starcher. Have I not get oh well I was gonna ask you about getting hit with one, but then I was like, well, no, I'm just saying, have you better. not have you not handled it and all of your years of fondling junk? And all of your years junk. of fondling people's I've junk. I've fondled some junk. You've never fondled a hard dildo. You don't know how thick and hard these things are and how much damage they can do I've seen, as I've a seen blunt weapon. I've seen, seen pictures. pictures. They look pretty never... tough. You don't they know look what like you're they could take a beating. <laughs> they give a beating is what they do. <laughs> Winfrey, save me. What what was the actual relative topic that you wanted to bring up? Uh, well, first of all, as a look, if you're a fan of horror and action movies, you keep a tally in your head of the most inventive kills, and Kameko doing so with marital aids. Like that suddenly at the top took a long time for something to supplant Clive Owen killing a man with a carrot. Marital aids, it's awfully judgy. Like single women don't use dildos. What's wrong with you? Eh. <laughs> I'm running. Oh, look, I gave the I gave the crude answer. I figured I'd go with the euphemistic one for the second time around. What do you want me to do? Show me the numbers. Robert Winfrey, straight from the fifties, with his TV dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, use great. the euphemism to beat them to death. That'll do it. Hey, it what about euphemism. Black Noir? Tell me about Black Noir oh, and his. Uh... God, he broke my heart. <laughs> I Got know, no, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, look, I am not the saddest person in the world. I'm not the most depressed person in the world. I, none of that, but, and I've, I've got a good support system around me. So with what I'm about to say, please don't freak out. I'm not confessing to suicidal ideation or anything. Not on my show, you're not. But oh, I, I'll, have to, I'll have to talk about an invection. Next thing you know, go ahead. <laughs> Invective. <laughs> oh, my bad. You uncultured swine. <laughs> those, are just, those are two very different things. That's the only reason. I Isn't one up. weather related or something? I don't know. I want to have to look bit. that up. I'm, I'm Googling infection uh, right now. Maybe hey, you want to follow my invection. This was really serious I, for a second. I have a bit about the deep. Just give it a minute or two, okay? <laughs> okay, great. Okay. But was talking about Black Noir, I his whole backstory is so damn tragic. And some of it's comedic. Like his bit about, you know, soldier boy, you kept me from becoming Eddie Murphy. I could have done the role in uh, Beverly Hills Cop or whatever it was. Oh yes. And no, you couldn't. I I know the actor in question. <laughs> no, you couldn't. But the response that when he is trying to process Soldier Boy coming back, and I actually do want to compare and contrast Homelander and Soldier Boy in a couple of different ways in a minute, so remind me to come back to that. 
But when he's trying to process this and he pulls the, he cuts the tracker out of his own body and like, I need some time. And he goes back to his imaginary friends. As a guy who has been very profoundly lonely at times in his life, just him trying to process that with things that brought him joy as a child, especially when you realize how damaged he is. And I don't just mean, um, I don't mean damaged in the same way that the other superheroes are damaged. I mean, this guy got his head split open more than once. Like he, uh, there's serious cognitive issues with this gentleman. And just knowing that this is how he's trying to process and trying to understand what he needs to do, it, it legitimately, uh, it, it legitimately broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, especially how that particular sad story ends. Oh, yeah. When he, there's this weird bit with Homelander actually right before he kills him, and it's shockingly touching. Like, I never quite understood noir and homelander like as a as a as an i i mean not that there's any kind of physical connection but as an entity like how's the relationship between these two characters and why does it work this way they never made a lot of sense to me until right near the end of noir's life when homelander's looking at him and says you know everybody looks at you and they don't they don't get you i do I'm the only one who knows when you're happy and when you're sad. I know what you're feeling. And partially because I can just x-ray through your mask. I can see your face. I literally, and you never take the damn thing off. I'm the only one in your entire life. And this is not his words anymore, but this is what he's saying. I'm the only one in your entire life who knows you, who understands Mm -hmm. you on an emotional level. And one bit of dialogue and suddenly everything about those two snaps into place. And then he donuts him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for somewhat understandable reasons uh, in a lot of respects, but it it was just so sad. Like, yeah, we didn't get a lot of black noir here, but what we did just it, it, it absolutely kicked my kicked me in the soul. Uh, it really hit a few of my buttons. Uh, All right, so Homelander so, and Soldier Boy. couple of things about them one again talking briefly about the damage that parents do to their children soldier boy had everything homelander wanted and look at and he still turned out like a piece of like when soldier boy talks about his background with butcher just very briefly like no no came up on the mean streets of philly i know the cover story no my dad owned like four steel mills in pittsburgh (laughs) Whatever city it was. It was it's Philly or Pittsburgh, forgive me, one of the major ones in Pennsylvania. Like, no, I was rich. My dad owned a, my dad owned a bunch of steel mills. We were very well off. But nothing I ever did was good enough for my dad. And you know, as as somebody who uh has often disappointed his father, I know a shocker. Um <clears throat> that was a real resonant thing to me about how I I don't I don't know how much I can speak for all children, but I know for most people, most kids I knew, wanting wanting your parents to be proud of you, especially if you're, I think, if you're a boy, want, wanting your parents to be proud of you is a very real feeling. And when you can't do it, when it become when when the goalposts are constantly moving, when you can never get that approval, it's it's soul crushing. And so when he talks about like 
wanting approval from his father and, and never uh, being able to get it and, and how much that affected him. I was like, yep, I, I hear you. I hear you. You are heard. The, kill, the killer line there is, you know, after he's become a superhero like, mm -hmm. and he's fought in the war and he's won and he's come home and he's this big and he's been in movies and he's again, he's fought the war and all of this stuff. And his dad's response to that is, well, a real man would have needed to cheat. Right. Because you took a chemical to turn into this. You never and, did enough. Nothing you nothing you do is right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still carrying around so much of that to the point where he passes it down. Again, he and Homelander don't interact all that much, but when he tells Homelander you're just like me, a fucking disappointment. Even though Homelander's a disappointment in an entirely different way. But I wonder how much of that is also your your ability to lash out and beat up the weaker amongst you. You know, when, when you've been beaten on and and you can't strike back at your abuser, you often turn to to the people weaker than you are and beat on them. And it just kind of rolls downhill. It rolls downhill, yeah. yeah. But uh, the, the compare and contrast that Look, to Anthony Starr's credit, and again, uh, his acting in that moment, like he's wanted a father and a family his whole life and his dad shows up and like, no, you're just like me and I really wish you didn't exist. Like that's mm -hmm. soul crushing in so many ways. There's a similar line uh, after they oust um, Giancarlo Esposito from his position as the head of Vought. And if I have a wish for season four, I want Giancarlo Esposito back. And I want him and Butcher to have to team up because I love the way that those two had brief interactions in season two. I want more of that, please. But he has to be carrying the Darksaber. Stop that. <laughs> but when he's after he's been ousted, when he gets his final when he and Homelander talk for the last time and he the gloves are off as far as mm -hmm. uh, Esposito's concerned. Why would I give you respect? It would just fall into that black bottomless hole of insecurities you call a soul. And he's Homelander kind of shrugs that one off. But when at the end he says, you're not a man, you're not a superhero, you're not aspirational, you're just bad product and walks off. Like you, Anthony Starr, to his eternal credit, again, he acts that facially so well. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. But the, the difference, <clears throat> this was... When they introduced Soldier Boy, I was curious how they were going to differentiate him from Homelander, not just in powers and whatnot, but more in, because they're both monsters, but you can't have the same monster, right? Like, King mm -hmm. Kong is a different monster than Godzilla, deliberately so. <laughs> so, everyone treats, Homelander is a child with a shotgun, if you need a, like, this is how they treat him. He's an emotionally damaged child who throws a tantrum, and when he does, bad things happen. And I was so I was curious, what's what's Soldier Boy going to be? Because he can't be that, right? Like you can't do that again. Right. Took me a minute. About the third time we see Soldier Boy, it was actually I think the Hero Gasm episode that made this very very clear for me. Soldier Boy is not a rampaging toddler. Mm-hmm. Soldier Boy's the abusive dad. The yeah. way people react to him is how people react to a an abusive parent. Like, and, and there's a very big difference in how you treat those two things. Like, you don't treat Homelander the same way you. You can't. 
Homelander, you can all you can't condescend is the wrong word, but you can kind of condescend to him. You can placate him in ways yeah. that, if you try with an adult, backfire in the worst ways possible. And so I, I just wanted to give the writing another bit of credit there. Those are two very, very different monsters, and they are played very, very differently in how they interact with the world. So kudos. Um, okay, the last thing I think I wanted to bring up here, um, because the Deep is back. Oh, and... the Deep and Timothy. Poor Timothy. All, I, all he just... wanted to do was be oh, friends. <laughs> I've got to tell you something about that scene. I don't know why. I haven't figured this out yet. That's the most disturbing scene in this entire, it like all three really scenes. Like the deep, is, get, the deep getting blown by a squid? No. No, 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 no. no. no when Homelander makes him eat the octopus. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was getting old boy vibes. I mean, oh, you've seen, sad. yeah. Like, you and, like, I've seen old boy. I watched that actor eat a live octopus because that's what actually <laughs> happened in the scene. So, mm -hmm. you know, this actor chowing down on a CG, on a very clearly CGI'd octopus. But something about the totality of that sequence and <laughs> Homelander and the way he's menacing that and everyone else's reaction to it, that genuinely unsettled me. Yeah, it was sad. That, that was a really genuinely sad. unsettling scene. Uh, I think what, to... But I think what makes it is him acknowledging that the thing is crying out for help. Right. So like, imagine you were eating a baby. Yeah, you know? and it's and you've named it and everything. Right, you know its name and it's right. And the baby can talk. Like, here's oh, baby. Okay. Here's here's baby Colton. He's three months old. Well, oh. eat him, Jesse, or I'm gonna fucking shoot you in the head. I mean, you know? that is horrible. Yeah, it's just, it, it, makes... that is more disturbing than a bunch of horror movie scenes I've seen. Like yeah, that's genuinely sure. unsettling material that goes well, on in that. Particular you th think scene. about like just the natural course of eating animal meat. It's dead already. You know, you have a nice piece of veal. You're not acknowledging it's a, you know, it's it was once a baby animal. Um, I mean, now I I'm, now. I'm weird. <laughs> Wouldn't eat it raw, off. but yes, this was a living thing. Leave your fetishes off my show, sir. Um, so. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's rich coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> this is my show. Um, but I, I just think, think about, like, in the like if you were just eating a chicken an innocuous chicken who doesn't eat chicken chickens everywhere chicken nuggets right rotisserie chickens everywhere but imagine like you're the eating the chicken life and it's... that factory farm chicken had but only to wind up <laughs> on your table and and it's talking to you as you're eating it going no like how <laughs> could you do it could you continue to robert could but the rest of us humans i don't you know like, I, this is one of those like, this is genuinely one of those moments where like if you have to eat that thing or this and and the deep nose homelander is mm -hmm. when he says i will kill you right it's not idle right i will die badly mm. if i don't do this i don't know what i would there do, has you know? to be like like some degree of cognitive dissonance in order to eat animal meat or you can't oh, do yeah. it there's, there's you know, absolutely unless you're, utterly, unless you're like utterly heartless about the whole thing but you know if you're eating a hamburger you have to disconnect the fact that this was once a cow Right, but imagine eh. it. But imagine it was mooing at you and crying, like as you're biting into it. Like, could you do it then? Most people probably not. Depends. And that on, is the. Hang on. That, depends on where we're getting the burger from. Like, I'm, I'm not putting myself through that for McDonald's, but you, you get a yeah. nice burger. Yeah. <laughs> it's really. Let's not be judgy about the cows fast food. No regret. 
let's let's not be judgy about the cows that produce the meat that goes to the McDonald's. They they're not you know it's not like the cows it, are just like please I don't want to go to McDonald's. I don't want to be Cisco it's cute meat. That, it's cute that you assume McDonald's hamburgers are made from cows. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Think smaller. Enjoy your rat burger, asshole. Um, Point Mel made. It, well, is, well, I don't know. No, no. There's there's the line from uh, the Simpsons when they they when Krusty has the rib witch, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we had a magical summer together, but <laughs> the animal we use to make the rib witch is gone extinct. You killed all the cows. You're way off. Think smaller. <laughs> More legs. Oh my god. Ooh. Anyway. My, my point is, what makes that so horrifying is the idea that you are eating a, sen- a sentient creature, that those those levels of disconnect are now gone. Yeah. You know? yeah and it, then on top of that, this was a creature that means something to him. He had, he had a personal, sexual, yeah. emotional no, relationship. No, 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 Hang on, no, no. He only had female octopi that were doing that to him, but he knew Tim. Remember where he wanted to do the three-way? Yes, he brings out the... <laughs> and then, that poor woman who escaped a cult to try and monetize this superhero <laughs> finally has no this is a bridge too far i put up with, I, I put up with everything that, i will not a, can i can we acknowledge because like because you know the rattledge you know rattledge and broadcasting network very like man forward but can we acknowledge the woman in that scene just like how put upon women tend to be and they put up with a lot and it's just like it has oh. to be that level like look you can't ask me to sleep with an octopus i just i do so much have, for you that's a bridge no, too far and hang that on, is hang on, hang on. hang on that is the most realistic thing in this show that a woman would be like you've asked me to do a lot but i'm not fucking the octopus I, that is an actual thing i can hear being said i have no <laughs> i have no sympathy for that character because it's made abundantly clear what a gold digging manipulative woman she is because oh, mm-hmm. all she does is try to push the you know get forward you got to be more assertive. You got to be front and center. It doesn't you've got to eat Timothy to keep Homelander happy and to keep us here and in a lot of money. And he says, "Okay, but you know, I'm sexually attracted to marine life. So can we involve the octopus?" <laughs> like, oh, so bad. It, it's so great that that scene can be read two ways. One is the very put upon woman. The other is the man. Like I do you drive my career. You push me to do all these things. I ask for one little thing. I just want the <laughs> octopus to be present and you vamoose and write a tell all and go on all the talk shows and drag my name through the mud and well, just F me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a truer relationship among men and women is portrayed than that, than that one. <laughs> like, Probably not. You've asked uh, me for so much, and I've given so much. This feels like you're over. This feels like overkill. And the guy going, "You never do enough for me. It's never going to be enough. There's always right. more." Like, the fuck? How men and women get together at all on this planet without arranged marriages <laughs> is beyond me. Biology <laughs> is powerful, indeed. Um, uh, okay, <clears throat> uh, I think the the last thing I want to touch on very briefly, and. My friend, got... any one of my friends that hears this podcast, would be like, "Gosh, <laughs> the things he says about people." He's um, talking about me. I think the last thing I have that I wanted to touch on very briefly. I mentioned that this show is smart enough and incisive enough to point every bit of its satirical criticism at both sides of the theoretical aisle, to the extent that you believe there's only one aisle and two parties. Yay for the false dichotomy of American politics. <laughs> two-party fallacy it screwed us all um 
the satire of having the superheroes and other celebrities sing Imagine. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, but the, that uh, was a direct attack on like Patton Oswald and what I know Gadot and all that. And, and they get and it I, we're, from their mansions while the rest of us are locked in a fucking closet, afraid to go outside because the unnamed origin of unknown virus was going to get us. I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> like that that's some of the like again, like to all the people who go, this is only a send up of contemporary American conservatism. You are missing half the show. Yeah, for sure. Because the fact that this thing also Well, hang on, let me hang on. I before you go any further with that. Okay. Even other progressives were making fun of that. Like that yeah. the, the level of like cognitive dissonance that got those celebrities to do that and th- and thought it was going to be like comforting for anyone like yeah. even other progressives was like you fucking asshole so <laughs> yeah i'm not giving this like if you want to point to something else and be like see it makes fun of progressives too that's fine no, you can't use that as an example everyone thought that was asinine everyone uh, again like i only bring that up because this show gets a lot of traction as being a common is this season in particular and for good mm-hmm. reason mind you like the, as being very critical of uh, the media machine, which mm-hmm. it takes a more anti-conservative bent because they're kind of likening Homelander to Trump in a lot of respects. Sure. And uh, again, that's fair grounds for criticism. And I'm not, I, I am not. Would have, uh, Trump would have absolutely lasered the press. They were like, all right, explain, to me, what thing on the, uh, th- explain <sighs> to me the thing on the wall again. Zoop. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, again, million percent. So uh, this mm-hmm. is not me saying that none of that none of what they're saying is not fair game. Mm-hmm. But in a season that is especially a bit heavy on criticizing one side of the spectrum, it is a, it is important to point out that the other side is far from exempt from this. Are, look, the party that's being manipulated here, believe it or not, like the political party being manipulated is the Democrats. Bobby mm-hmm. Singer is the Democratic nominee for president, and he's going to get dead real fast so that Victoria can be president. <laughs> right. Like that, right. That's where that's going. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he's being manipulated by the big business that is Vought. Like, th- there's no. They could have easily. I've said this before about the writing. They could have easily made this a X side is wrong and stupid, Y side is brilliant and virtuous. Huzzah. Right. And right. they don't. Yeah. Um, but the, because that's really kind of the arc that we get with um, A Train this season for as short as it is and it's some of the funniest thing stuff you'll ever see i want to change my costume to reflect my roots and everyone mocks him for this like buddy right we know where you're from <laughs> we know where you're pe- like you don't have roots in africa but he wants to monetize it and express it and explore it oh yeah and i want to tell the people i'm down for the cause and his brother reads him the riot act and thank yeah, god yeah. for it um, right, Jen, we also get, eh, hang on, the last thing about A-Train, because this was the weird thing, but we get a very human moment between A-Train and Huey. Mm-hmm. This is after A-Train's brother has been crippled by uh, their police analog superhero. I think it was uh, Blue Hawk or whatever. Blue yeah. Hawk. Yep. So, the boys is not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he says, you know, Huey gets a bit pissed at him and he... So, you know, you never even apologized for murdering my fiance. And A-Train actually apologizes. 
And it's a yeah. weird little moment when he says, I'm sorry. Because he's still pissed and he still doesn't want to. But, and he tells him, you know, I've now, I now know more of your pain. I had to watch someone I care about destroyed in front of me. And I'm still jackass. I'm still a douchebag. There's still, but for whatever it's worth, I am sorry. And Huey was ready to go too. Huey was ready. I he mean, really I think was. Huey <laughs> was looking for a, for a fight, and he was really taken by surprise the fact that he apologized. That was one of my notes here. Was like for A Train, there's two moments. There's that, and then when he gets Blue Hawk by the ankle and drags his ass down the road, that the was that the other gets, one. That I, the fact that he gets his heart at the end was just. <laughs> oh, I know what what irony. Oh, it's horrible. Reminded me of Oz, where um, the one I think the one Nazi character ends up getting like a black guy's ghetto gums, gums. and then yeah, right, and then he gets kicked out of the Nazis because he's not pure anymore, and so he has to rip his gums out. Oz, everybody. Hey, Jesse, yeah, go ahead and read the rest of your notes. Oh, that's it. That's it. You guys covered every okay. character that I wanted to talk about. So in every aspect that I wanted to jump into, we did a great All job. Right, well, then Jesse, right, sum last, up the. Uh, Okay, hang on. No, I have to get a negative out of it. Hang on, let me get my negative out of the way. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? You're right. You don't get enough opportunities on the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network to criticize things. Please I, take this I opportunity. Have, I have been almost universally positive here. So right. He's been, this has been a glowing review by Winfrey. I want to hear what this is. Yeah, there are people watching this podcast is. going, well, now I've seen everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need YouTube anymore. <laughs> Um, People just stripping I, naked and walking into the woods to live deliberately. Winfrey was positive on something. We're done here. I really don't. I have not been the biggest fan of what they've done with Maeve. Um, yeah. I thought she was okay in season one. By the time we get to two, and they say some interesting things with her character. You know, hey, you're a lesbian, so you got to be with this girl. No, I'm bi, but we've marketed you as a lesbian, and you're in a relationship with a woman, so guess what? Uh, mm. you get a bit of that so season yeah. thing in season three with her, like her happy ending feels utterly unearned. She doesn't do a whole lot this season other than jump and what she gets into like, the fight. I, she gets, she gets our only jet, like for a show about superheroes, she gets maybe the only genuinely heroic moment that we've seen on screen. <laughs> right. When she tackles soldier boy out of a window as he's blowing up. Mm-hmm. But she's just the fact that she gets basically everything she wanted. Her powers are gone. Everyone thinks she's dead. She gets to live in anonymity. She gets to be with the person she wants to be with. That just felt really honored. It felt in a show that is like almost offensively authentic. When like you this say is the unearned, vision of you a mean few like people. They didn't give her enough to get to that end point, or you don't feel like the character was good enough to have earned a happy ending? Like, I'm confused why you say that. Both. See, I don't agree with that at all. I, I maybe, mean, not, maybe her, not giving her enough. I mean, it's an ensemble cast. Some people are going to get short shrift. Um, and I don't care that it's for me, you want to write her off the show and you gave her a happy ending to do so. So what? But the, but your other, if your other thing is she's not a good person and doesn't deserve to be cheered at the end and ha and have a happy ending i'm like she was one of the people who early on, i mean she comes to starlight when starlight's sexually harassed she she's That's the one she, she's she's the one standing in many ways in homelander's way 
she's there when you know with the, with the plane and everything in the video i mean she's consistently being threaded in as somebody who is good in at heart she she has an arc in terms of redemption after being sort of the uh you know the character who has lost its lost her way i it just they don't, she doesn't get a lot of screen time because we're spending so much time with Huey Butcher and Homelander that nobody else gets a lot of screen time. But I don't think she, I don't think she's a bad person by the end of this. I think she's somebody who absolutely does earn that happy ending. Robert, you're welcome to have a different have had a different experience with the film with the, this than I did. But I okay. like her opposition to Homelander is not because Homelander's a bad person; it's because he's a threat to her. I don't agree with that. But I, I, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to argue for the next forty minutes. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying. I I do not give her credit for motivation in that particular case. Like, she's afraid of Homelander, rightfully so. But if he were ambivalent to her, I don't think she would care. I that's my, that's my read on her character. I feel like she was redeemed through Starlight, and after seeing the way knew that someone as powerful as Homelander, as damaged as he is, was no good for anybody. And I think that has less to do with his personal relationship to her than her seeing the forest for the trees and knowing he had to go. But I, I don't know. I feel like you and I could be arguing about this for the next 40 minutes well, on another I, podcast we would. Go ahead, Jesse. Settle up between us. I was going right. to say, I, well, <laughs> I was going to jump in here and say, I see exactly where Winfrey's coming from. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. <laughs> the here's the thing i see that she has to live in fear for the rest of her life she has mm -hmm. no powers and so it's not like she completely got off scot-free in this case i feel mm -hmm. like she has uh something to be scared of so it's not i, I don't see her sipping you know my ties on a beach those that's probably going to happen in her, with her character but regardless i think she's probably scared that homelander's going to find out that she's alive and go kill her and he easily can now uh so that's my that's where i see like okay yeah what we're in for you saying is right but there's also this worry that she is going to have perpetually for the rest of her life yeah, and that's fair. They might play it differently come season four. So I, I think to close, then my question would be for everyone. We're getting season four. We all know we're getting season four. What do you want out of season four? Like the way things are set up, what do you what do you want out of it? What do you think might happen? Like, I, I, I cannot do another season of Butcher trying to kill Homelander. I just can't. Like, hey, yeah. three seasons of this now. This is all we're gonna do. Like. I <laughs> <laughs> I hang on to your point. I think whatever happens with whatever happens between those two characters in season four has to be final one way or the other. Yeah, I well, that's the thing. Like, I don't know where you go after you've resurrected the Winter Soldier in order to kill Superman. I what next? What what do you what's the what's the next big weapon you're going to find to take to take him down? Are we going to Superman to this? Is are we going to trap him in a machine that reverses his powers? Like like what what is the next thing that they, that they're going to do? And to to that point, like how many more times are we going to do this? At, it's getting to the point, and I and I kind of got this way at the end of season three, where if this is all Butcher's going to be, Butcher's going to become a real boring character real fast. At, at, they need to move these people on and evolve them just a minute, just a touch to keep this going because they can't, the show can't survive on shock value alone. 
You know, they, we can't do too many more herogasms. We have to move yeah. this along. And at this I've, point, it was three times they've now gone after Homelander and three times they failed. And we're at a point now where they've not only failed, but they've now given him exactly what he wants. This has to come to an end. Homelander or Butcher can't make it out of season four alive. It, it my, I've heard the theory that season four should somewhere in its run actually go through it, pull the trigger and depower Homelander. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. That would make things interesting. I I mean, I agree with you, Mark. Going back to this well over and over and over is going to get... It, it is kind of old. Like, what are we going to do next season to try and make, make things different? The only thing... I mean, the only thing I could see is, like, what's bigger than Homelander? Mm-hmm. And it's bought, in my opinion. Um, so... Well, I, I think maybe... what You know, what if... See, I don't know how the comic goes. The comic went on for something like, what, 80 issues or something like that? Right, man. No I wish idea. I could say, too. It went and on so, for a while. I'm curious. You know, I think this episode, well, this season we are did a very, really good- We are very divorced from what took place, like, wildly different from okay. the source material at this point. Well, here, here's what right. I'm going to tell you. This whole series has been about the dangers of powered people. And, um, can I, you know, and, can and I both sides sort of... Very- there's that great line from John Carlo Esposito's character in the beginning where he's like, our pro our mistake wasn't making hero our mistake wasn't making superpowered people. Our mistake was making them heroes. We tried to make them aspirational. And really that was the that was the flaw in the logic here. Shouldn't have done that. Should not mm-hmm. have done that. <laughs> well, I think there has to be PR the, 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 there's a tacit recognition that powered people are are chaotic and a danger to civilization i mean and just th- think about that in terms of real life because i think the boys does a really good job of that that's what we started with this whole conversation with so we're sort yeah. of rounding back you know if you think about what would think about this in terms of the availability of automatic weapons okay i'm not weighing in these are things that happened if you give any random set of people 100 people an automatic weapon a few of them are going to misuse them to damage a lot of people, right? So think about that with superheroes. Let's give a random assortment of people all kinds of powers. A few, you know, a few of them are going to hurt a lot of people to where one might be led to believe that maybe nobody should have these anymore. Psst, that's the gun violence debate or gun control debate. So I, th- I think that is something that has to be dealt with in season four especially now that like starlight you know the seven is utterly broken up starlight has less of a seven has become one of the boys i think there needs to be sort of an internal debate amongst the boys about is it all is it that all superheroes need to go all guns need to be banned or just some or is it just a you know or should we focus on who should get the guns and who shouldn't get the guns that is a very real debate that we're having now and i think that should be the i think that should be the spine of what holds up season four uh, Jesse, what do you think? Uh, they could easily go there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I just see them going after something bigger uh, and than Homelander. I, I, I could see them, you know, trying to. Uh, we've we've got the whole uh, what was her name again? Um, Claudia Demut. Uh, Victoria. Victoria, thank you. Uh, I was going to say she portrays her. Um, yeah, we've got that getting ready to uh, you know getting ready to happen. So. Obviously, are we going to have a bigger threat to worry about there? 
Um, I mean, she could pop heads. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to see them go back to the same well, but you know, this, it, the conflict has to end at some point. So are we, we've got to get there. We just got to mm-hmm. get there. That's, that's the only thing I could say. All right. Um, so hear me out. Mm-hmm. Season four aliens. Ah, <laughs> I love it. You know, that, it would actually be funny if like, or like your mid season finale is they do, they do depower all the superheroes or kill all the superheroes. And there's none left. And then aliens attack. And then Kang and Kodos come down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Jesse, give me the final word on the boys. Let's get out hey, of here. Season three. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was, it was fantastic. In my opinion, a lot of issues that we talked about on here tonight and we didn't get to talk about all of them either. I mean, there's, we talked about the big ones, but there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of other stuff that's happening in this series. So, uh, this is absolutely, the <laughs> yeah, I listened to that review, and then I woke up and listened to the rest of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I no, it, it, this is a lot of fun. I, I would tell anybody who just enjoys an adult an adult superhero TV show, this is where you need to go and. You know, make sure if you got kids, be ready with that remote. Trust me, I was. Hero gas. This is not this, this is not Superman. <laughs> no, no, right. but yeah, had a fun time. All right, folks. This is one of the very last TV shows that we're gonna be doing. Um, we've got a few more uh on the schedule throughout the rest of the year, not counting the David Simon stuff. Um, that's a whole other deal. But um we've got uh Jesse, what did you do? I didn't do anything. Okay, so we've got (laughs) we've got upload season two that I promised Alexis that we would do. We've got Strange New World, which I promised David. The Orville, which I didn't have to promise Jesse. I just want to talk about it with Buddy because it's the best show ever. Uh, Only Murders in the Building season two. Uh, The Lord of the Rings show, which I promised Andrew Graham and uh, Ronnie Adams. The Crown. Um, which I will continue to do until that's over. I will make an exception for that show. Uh, and then that's kind of it, other than all the David Simon stuff. So we are counting down the end of television reviews for the most part here on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network as I cut well, back to only two days a week. I imagine, with the, again, for everyone out there who might be panicking about that announcement, look, these are going to continue to pop up sporadically. Mm-hmm. Anytime the bug bites any of us and any of the shows caveat not any of the shows some of the shows that we have talked about in the past that are still ongoing we will of course talk about future seasons assuming that all parties are still interested but this is going to be much more infrequent yeah i'm no longer compelled to cover every single marvel show that comes down the pike just why we're not covering she hulk um (laughs) sure that's why (laughs) i jumped out of the plane right in time um but um (laughs) Tomorrow, uh, we, we we had a whole lot of canned shows over the past week and a half. I was in Cleveland with Jesse, seeing Rage Against the Machine, among other things. Um, so we've got up uh, the Highlander, Long Road to Ruin, the Harry Potter, Long Road to Ruins, all four episodes of that. Uh, Robert, and I, Robert and I reviewed Pan. And then with Prey coming out this Friday, uh, we, we re-released our On Trial for Predators and our Long Road to Ruin for Predators 1 and 2. Which I, I, I forgot this, but apparently we also covered Predators at the time as well. So it's two different takes on Predators. Um, yesterday we came back live. We reviewed DC League of Super Pets. 
even yeah, when yeah. Robert and Robert and Alexis and I openly acknowledge there's nothing to talk about, we still go over an hour. We are some talking motherfuckers. It's funny. Uh, I, I wanted to hop in there and see how long that podcast lasted because I caught the very beginning. I'm like, they're not going to make it past 45 minutes. No, you guys must hour and 20. Well, well, we have to we have to stop and delay every five minutes every time Alexis has to interrupt Robert. So with something <laughs> utterly off topic. Um, speaking of utterly off topic. Jesus Christ, we're done, Jesse. Lordy, Master Beast from the Moon. No, we're reviewing it tomorrow. We're reviewing it tomorrow. I'm gonna call him and tell him put out an eighth album. I hate you. Um, (laughs) no more, Lordy. They will. They'll they'll do it. No, I know they. They'll do it too. (laughs) (laughs) So we're reviewing Lordy, Master Beast from the Moon. Um, and then that's it for this week. We've got some re-airs coming up, and the next week our live show. We got. Uh, Jesse and Alexis actually reviewed the next set of episodes from Hell of a Boss. That'll air on the 9th. In the evening, myself and Robert and I uh, will be reviewing Bullet Train. And then on uh, Thursday, after I get done with the Mad Hatter's Gin and Tea Party, Jesse, I'm taking my wife to the Mad Hatter's Gin and Tea Party. What do you think about that? That sounds saucy. It's going to be. It'll be the second time I've done it, as a matter of fact, because I went to my friend's birthday, and that's what she did for it. My wife was like, are you going without me? She's like, yeah, you weren't invited. She's like, I'm never gonna live. The t- I'm never gonna live down the time that I pulled that on you. And I'm like, <laughs> nope, never. So <laughs> instead, I just have to take her separately. Um, so that's what I'll be doing Thursday. But as soon as I get done with the gin and tea party, my drunken ass will come right on this podcast, and Jesse, Robert, and I will review Soulfly Totem. What do you think about that, Jesse? Oh yeah, man, I'm excited. He shared a, uh, I think, a video today, and so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be fun. All right, so that's what I'm doing, Jesse. Uh, I hear you review comics and paint houses. I do paint houses. Okay. Uh, there's a reference, uh, uh, but I don't know what it is. Um, to the Irishman. Uh, gotcha. So uh, I don't recall that being on my resume. Um, what, assassin? Yeah, it's not well, on if, there. If, it, if sure. it was, you wouldn't talk about it publicly, dumbass. It's true. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. You're out of me. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hey, listen, source material comics podcast feed. You can find it right here on the W2M network. I do talk about comics and just today, as a matter of fact, source material released is 317th episode. And that is a 25 minute extravaganza of me explaining to you the adventures of Bayou Billy number one from Archie comics. That's right. <laughs> Ah, the 1980s Swamp Stompin' NES game uh, got its own comic and, well, remember hey, that game. at the very least, you can tune in and fast forward to the end and listen to me do a dramatic reading of the video game uh, exit scene or the, what do they call that? An outro. The, uh, yeah. As, as Billy confesses his love to Annabelle. Oh, I even changed the octave when I was doing the uh, editing there on the old audacity you, so yeah you, you like kiss your hand in order to like make kissy sounds <laughs> oh billy oh. Uh, so anyway <laughs> yeah she had the vapors she had the vapors mark radlich uh, but yes oh that that landed today so you can check I'll that out the adventures of bayou billy number one and uh, next week on the unspoken issues podcast you can hear myself evan bevins and chris armstrong talking about the first meeting of Sleepwalker and Darkhawk, three-part series called Portals of Power. Portals of Power, that's right. You could check that out. That should be airing on the 10th. 
And that's uh, that's all. I, I mean, I guess I'll go ahead and throw a quick plug out to Kapow. We just finished up in the third episode, fourth episode should be airing of our role playing game, uh, you know, experience with kids on bikes uh, where I play. A, 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 yeah, it was a lot of fun. I oh, was a good uh, system. That's a fun. It system. is. I, I was a 13 year old, very gassy 13 year old, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, we, we ran around this fictional town called Marietta, Ohio. It was pretty crazy. But uh, anyway, yeah, check that out. That's it. That's all I have to plug. All right, Robert Winfrey, tell about all the violent sports you watch and how it affects you mentally. <laughs> Not much, actually. I was plenty disturbed <laughs> before I started watching. <laughs> Uh, I cover professional wrestling a few nights a week. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW when they release stuff on Thursday, and WWE SmackDown on Friday. All of that is in the wrestling zone of 411mania.com. I also cover mixed martial arts for 411mania.com, specifically the UFC. So if you want my full recap and thoughts on UFC 277, or uh, that's from last Saturday, or I will be covering this Saturday UFC. Forget the numbering. I want to say it's on ESPN 40, but don't hold me to that. Whatever their event is this Saturday, uh, I will be covering that. It's headlined by Jamal Hill and Tiago Santos, so light heavyweights. Feel right. that enthusiasm. Uh, I also, <laughs> if you want other thoughts from me on the world of mixed martial arts, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast every Sunday evening. Uh, that is your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. So tune in for that wherever you're listening to podcasts. If you punch then uh, you know 411 ground and pound you should be able to find me out there give it a listen if you are so inclined i always appreciate all the support that you're able to give me thank you very very much as usual um we will also be next week or the week after um re-airing some stuff from everyone loves a bad guy that's now up and ready to go so be on the lookout for that mark and i talk about why the hulk is the worst then robert cooper and i talk about why the hulk's rogues gallery is the worst <laughs> uh, both of those may be exaggerated for my, uh, by me for comedic effect, but uh, those will be up in the, again in a couple of weeks, just in time for She-Hulk, which no one will watch. <laughs> Perfect. All right, but hey, at least it's not HBO Max. Aww. All right, folks. Oh, <laughs> poor HBO Max killed in its Aww. crib. Yeah. All right, um, and eaten while it screams. <laughs> <laughs> the deep eating hbo max that's right <laughs> all right folks well and hear the wire to... praying i'll <laughs> <laughs> just go back on regular hbo it'll be fine all right folks thanks for joining us here on tv party tonight and our review of the boys season three for my very best friends my brothers from other mothers robert winfrey and jesse starcher i'm mark rattledge be well be safe and for real this time no not for play play behave <laughs>